Well, hey there, my name is Luke Waite with Pomelo Coffee Consulting. We're an operations consulting company specifically for coffee roasters. And what you're about to listen to is a live recording with a live audience in Chicago at Coffee Fest in 2022. There's some interaction with the audience, might be hard to hear, but just hang with it. The content's gonna be helpful for you if you're a coffee roaster, wanna be a coffee roaster, or just wanna make the operations of your roaster better. Let's get into it. All right. Thanks for being here. It's good to see all your faces um, and uh, happy to be here and uh, let's get into it. So today what we're going to talk about is roastery operations and the five essentials of what I believe you need to have in your roasting uh, company. So I just want to get a sense for where y'all are at. Who doesn't have a roastery but wants to have a roastery? Okay. Who has a roastery and has had one for five years? Okay, cool. Awesome. Ten years? Amazing. Welcome. There's a handout back there for you. Make sure you grab one. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through um, coffee releases and launches. Um, and I separate those intentionally. We'll get into that. We're going to talk about green buying and managing. We're going to talk about uh, financial structure of uh, what the pieces that you need to have in your business. We're going to talk about dry product management. We're going to talk about a pricing calculator as well. At the very, very end, we'll have a Q&A with five uh, roasters from across the country. So who am I? So I own two companies. One of them is called Levco. And what we do is we work with green coffee companies and we help them uh, essentially build their brand and build strategy into how they communicate who they are, what they're about, and why their product is different or what it matters to their buyers. For Pomelo, what I do is I, I work with roasters who are uh, maybe struggling, maybe feeling overwhelmed, um, who are trying to make more money, trying to not lose all of their hair uh, from the stress it takes to just get coffee out the door. Um, and so that's what I do. I build systems and processes to help them optimize and make more money and have a little bit more stability in their life. So I want to start with four questions. And they're more rhetorical than anything else. But do you go into Monday morning feeling you're going into battle, you're about to just get crushed with the orders and it's just gonna be that way for the next five days. The next question I have for you is, are you sure you're making money? Or are you sort of afraid to look at their bank account to see where things are at? Is your audience clear on what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it? Why, why do you release the coffee as you do? Is there a purpose or a reason behind it? Or are they looking at you like, I don't, I don't get it? Or maybe it's worse. Maybe they just don't care. Maybe you release coffee and you're like, I don't, they just don't get it. They don't understand what I'm trying to do. They don't understand who we are. They don't understand why we do the things that we do. You, know, you put so much effort into sourcing you know, equitably, uh, paying fair prices, and our audience just doesn't get it. So what I want to propose to you is a way of thinking. I'm not necessarily going to prescribe anything to you. I just want to offer a, a, a way of thinking about your operations as a company. Martha Beck says, uh, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. And so the way that you think about your business, the way that you think about operations, the way that you think about your team, the way that you think about product releases, all of that matters. And you have to put intention behind that. And you have to have thought at how you're, how you're doing all of the work that you're doing matters 
to you as a business. So you need to have a purpose behind each of those things. And the way of thinking is process optimization. I believe that if you set a process in place, all you have to do is run that process and approve that process and continue to iterate on that. The steps of building a process, or I'm sorry, the steps to this is literally build a process, can literally just be, we're gonna buy green coffee. That's the first step. We're gonna sell green coffee, that's the next step. And then as you continue to go on in your, your life cycle of a business, you're iterating on that. You're following that same process and you're realizing, I need to add another piece in here. There's another step to this process. There's another element to what it is that we do here. You're gonna review that process with your team, or if you're alone, if you're maybe a solo roaster, you know, direct to consumer, you're gonna do the same thing for yourself. Review that process, make improvements, and repeat. That's literally it. That's the whole presentation in one slide. So let's talk about coffee releases and launch process. Um, there should be some chairs over here for you, but there's a handout in the back if you all don't have those. Um, so coffee roasters, somewhere along the, the way, I realized that coffee roasters are actually product companies. And it's difficult because sometimes we think that we're providing a service, right? We're, we're, we're providing this uh, thing that people uh, consume, but we need to understand what it is that a product company is. So I got to thinking, what is it that people think that, that coffee roasters do? So I Googled that very thing, and this is what came up. Becoming a specialty coffee roaster is a dream for many coffee lovers. It's often perceived as a sought after profession, which allows you to think, uh, which, which allows you to drink spe spectacular coffee, have carefree interactions with admiring customers, and travel to exotic origin. Who's at the center of this statement? It's a question. The roaster, right? It's not about the customer. It's about me. And if we're selling a product to somebody that's about me, now we have a problem. There's dissonance and there's going to be uh, friction in that relationship. So how do we fix this? We have to understand what is a product company and what is a service-based uh, company. Product companies have a tangible inventory. You have green coffee, right? You have uh, lots of other products as well. You have you know, bags, labels, boxes, bubble wrap, tape, all sorts of dry products. You have tangible inventory, whereas a service is a human-to-human -human interaction. You think of, you know, you go to a nice dinner, someone's serving you, you're having an experience. So when a product, uh, a product company is for the buyer, um, to consume or to use, whereas a service-based company is for the uh, buyer to uh, experience. The next important difference is improvements can be made uh, to products um, while, while you're selling the product, right? So if you're, you have a coffee on the shelf, right? Comes in, you roast it, doesn't taste great. You change from that roast. Doesn't taste great the next time you cup it, you change it. You continue to iterate on that and you're, you're still selling those products potentially, but as the coffee is aging, it's changing along with your changes and, and adjustments that you're making to it. Whereas with a, a service-based business, what you're doing is you provide a service and then you can change that service after the sale is completed. 
with products, you can continue to iterate and make changes as you're selling the product. So product companies are good at product launches and releases. If you don't have a clear process for your product launches and your releases, they're gonna to be tons of friction. It's gonna be hard. You're gonna waste a lot of time and they're gonna cost more money because of that time investment because you don't have a good system or process in place. So here are the eight elements of a well-executed coffee launch. Am I going way too fast? Is everyone tracking? Cool. They require a meaningful purpose. Now your purpose can be uh, what you decide it to be. It could be that you're releasing this coffee to fulfill your mission as a business. Or it could be that you want to um, uh, improve the life of your buyer somehow. Maybe, maybe the folks in your area don't have good coffee, right? Maybe, maybe they're drinking Folgers and you're improving their coffee drinking life. Maybe that's your purpose. But you have to begin with a purpose rather than just trying to sell a product. I'm just going to release this coffee. I'm just going to release it. We have this coffee. I'm no, you have to begin with a compelling, meaningful purpose. Good product releases are designed for impact. With, um, with this, you want to think about, again, who, who, who is at the center of this interaction? Is it me, the roaster, or is it the buyer? Because if you're trying to sell to them, they're going to feel sold to. Whereas if you are um, focusing on the impact that you can make on them as a buyer, they're going to be compelled to want to purchase your coffee versus someone else's coffee. Measured rhythmic process is the next step. Peter Drucker says, what gets managed, I'm sorry, what gets measured gets managed. Um, the things in, in your business that are not tracked, they're going to have a culture of their own, whether that's people or whether that's how you release coffee. So you need to have a process to be able to manage that process and a structure for that um, so that you can continue to iterate on it, continue to get better at it, because again, when we go back to the steps of a process, you're improving and continually iterating. It's a cycle. Measured rhythmic process. The next element of a good uh, coffee launch and release is it offers excellent communication. So who needs to be communicated with? It needs to be your uh, buyers, number one. Um, your team, folks internally, they need to know that coffee inside and out better than anybody. If you go into your cafe or your roastery and you ask one of your team members, tell me about this coffee. And they say, uh, it's from Ethiopia. That's not great because if they are interacting with customers, they're, rep they're representing that coffee, they're representing you as a business and they need to know that information inside and out. So your team is a crucial piece of this. And then potential accounts and, uh, uh, and your audience as well. So I'm sure a lot of y'all have social media, if not all of y'all, if you don't, you should. Um, you have followers who are probably in other states who are just your audience, who are just interested in something that you have, uh, have, have done and they've started following you, they believe in you. Maybe they don't buy from you right this moment, but they're part of your audience. And so you need to uh, educate them and communicate with them well about your products that you're releasing. Utilize a variety of content. So, this is tough, especially if you're small, um, but you need to think through, where is my audience? So who has a website? 
Everyone, good. Almost everyone. Who has a social media? Who has Instagram? TikTok? Amazing, amazing. YouTube? Not yet. Not yet, coming. Yes. Podcasts? Okay, I'm not, say- I'm not saying that you need to be on every single platform, I- but uh, you need to have a healthy life and don't be overwhelmed by that. But my point, what I'm trying to make... <laughs> no, that's okay. This is so true. My point that I'm trying to make is your audience is in different places and just posting on your website, a blog, just posting on your social, just posting on your YouTube, just posting on your TikTok, one time about a thing that you're releasing, a coffee that you're releasing, isn't actually gonna help them recognize or learn about this product. So you need to understand that there's also different segments. So here's one piece that I think is really important for you to remember. For you, you might feel like I don't want to overwhelm them by just like posting on all of my channels, right? You have different audiences in each of these different channels and you need to understand that you're not overwhelming them and if they don't want to see it, they can keep scrolling and that's totally fine. So you need to think about what kind of content you're creating for these product releases, product, uh, content for social, website, video, print, and your cafe. I'm assuming a lot of y'all have cafes. Do y'all have cafes or just roasting? Do you have a cafe? I'm surprised. I, th- I, th- I thought y'all would have more cafes. Um, cool. You need to be thinking about what sort of physical products you're putting in people's hands. Maybe you put a pamphlet in the, uh, the shipments that you send out. So print, cafe is important. So you need to engage your audience well. Okay. This is different than just posting on social. This is about engaging with them when they are commenting, if someone's following you, if someone is asking questions, do not miss that opportunity to squeeze the engagement orange. Because what that is doing, it's building trust between you and your audience, and it's helping them understand that if they ask a question, you're going to answer. It's helping them understand that you care about me. So again, who's at the center of the interaction on whatever content you're producing? It's got to be about them, not about me. How do I help them and bring them into this? Don't move too quickly through engaging and through posting on content. Don't blast through it. Take time. What feels old to you, what feels like, we've already said this three times, we've already said this 10 times, that's your perspective because you've been thinking about this coffee for months and it's only just gotten here and they've only seen three pictures from it. Okay, So don't rush that part. Post, release, review. Again, this is going back to the five steps, right? We want to make sure that we are reviewing everything that we're doing. We want to make sure that we are reviewing everything that we're doing as we're releasing our products. It is a absolute miss for you to release a product and never talk about it again. And I don't mean the product, I mean the process of releasing that product. It's an absolute miss because you have put in all of this work and you have no evaluation of how can we do it better next time? What did we miss? What do we not do? What do we need to do? What do we need to add into this process so that we can maximize it, we can squeeze the lemon, the the engagement lemon as much as we can. So you need to make sure that you take time to review what worked and what didn't work. You need to also um, analyze performance. You need to analyze how long did it take us to get the coffee from my dock out the front? How long did it take me to write the story for this 
coffee? How long did it take me to update our website? How long did each of these items take me? And analyze that and, and so that you can have another data point to understand, I need to actually do this at a different point in the process. Maybe, you know, month one when you contract that coffee, maybe that's when you start to think about writing that copy. Maybe that's when you start thinking about so that you can optimize that um, process. And again, you just want to continually make adjustments, continually iterating on what you're already doing. You do it all over again. Process provides flexibility. Uh, process provides more time, and it provides freedom. And this is really important. How many of you release special coffees? How many of you release? Okay, tell me what you mean by special. Um, holiday time, we will yeah. bring in like Blue Mountain. Cool. Somebody else. Just uh, find a, a new bridal or a new farm or something yeah. that you really want to promote. It's exciting, yeah. right? Okay. We do flavored coffees a lot. Cool. So throughout the year, depending on the season, we will release yeah. a new flavor. Yeah. And so these are special things, right? Do they take more time than your regular coffee releases that are just, we have this coffee every year and we send it out? Yes. They do? Right. When you optimize your process to release these special coffee, the, your day-to-day your -day coffees, it provides you more time and more freedom to take risks, to uh, do more things, to uh, maybe film a video, to maybe um, write a longer blog post about this amazing varietal that you found, um, this producer that is doing really amazing work. When you optimize the performance, when you optimize your releasing of your products, <clears throat> what it ultimately does is it provides you with flexibility and time to be able to take bigger risks and showcase how professional you are. What are you about? Who are you? Okay, don't have a process. I'm not gonna list these, but this is a starting place. This is not exhaustive, uh, but it is a starting place for you to be begin to understand what are the steps that I have to take in order to get this coffee out the door. Um, so for you newer folks, I'll just take a picture of this really quickly um, because this is going to... <laughs> I always forget one. Totally. Really adding it to the point Along that note, is this something you can send out to the class? This presentation? Sure. Why don't um, I'll need your emails, uh -huh. but I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to send it out. Absolutely. Um, this is not exhaustive, and each individual company is going to have different things because um, one company, like for you, you're flavoring coffee. That's a that's an element that he doesn't have probably, and for you, you're talking about holiday blends. Maybe you don't have all of it. I don't know. I don't. You probably do point is, it's going to have to be a little bit catered for everyone, um, but this is a starting place. You're probably going to have a list of about 30 items that you do, um, so it's going to be about double this list, so this is a starting place for you. Okay, how do you manage this? This is 30 items. you got to track this thing for six months, and then all the way, oh man, so much. Use a project management software. It's going to really help you. Um, there's a ton of free ones. Um, I personally really like Asana and Trello. They're great and they're free. You can add collaborators, connects with Google. It's an awesome tool. Um, Monday I've used a little bit, but it's not. Um, uh, it's a little bit more powerful than, than what most of y'all need. One note on tools. Do not use something for uh, your sake. Use it for your team's sake. If your team is just beating their head against the wall, with, because it just doesn't work for them, don't use that software. Use a different software. This is part of that iteration. This is part of that review and analyzing, 
And it's also up to you as a leader to say, all right, guys, what's happening? I need you to be totally honest with me. What is not working? What can I do? Be open to them saying, this software isn't working. We've got to do something different. Have to make sure it works for them. All right, moving along. We are talking about green buying and managing. All right, again, it's not prescriptive. This is more of a concept of how to think about this. What you need, you need to have inventory. You need to be aware of what's contracted, what is currently in-house, and what, is, uh, what previous copies you had. Ultimately, you want to think of this as essentially a database. Um, this is going to be helpful, especially for you newer folks. It's going to be helpful in year like three, four, five, to when you're potentially working with uh, uh, the same farmers each year. Um, what it's going to help you do is it's going to help you analyze and see how the coffee has changed. Um, how long um, was this coffee tasting really, really amazing, and when did it start to fade? It's going to help you to understand. Um, you know, last year we paid a dollar or. 350 for this coffee and then this year we're paying five dollars for this coffee and the next so it'll help you understand uh, how much you're spending year over year um, so it's really important for you to understand this isn't just so you have a bunch of data it's to help you so that as you're thinking about analyzing and optimizing your performance as a roaster you have the data you can go through look back at it and make strategic decisions based on the data that you have you're gonna to wanna to include cupping data so you can um, understand what's happening with the coffee. You wanna have a place to record technical info, soil, bridal, elevation, producer name, story. All of that is stuff that you're gonna to have to make sure you have. Um, pricing, and it'll help you forecast as well because you will say, last year we bought, I don't know, 10,000 pounds of this coffee. Next year we're gonna need 20,000, I don't know. It depends on how, uh, what percentage you're growing um, or not growing, and it'll help you make more strategic decisions with your buying. What else? Structure. If you don't know every step in the process, from the moment that coffee leaves the farm to the moment it is purchased by your customer, that's not gonna be a good thing for you and you're not gonna be able to scale. You have to understand, and this is, this is a, again, this is a brief, a brief summary of what's happening, right? Picking the coffee, sample roasting, cupping, contract, paid, prepped, shipped. There's like 15 items in here. There's a bunch of other items that are happening. This is just on the green side of things. You have to have a clear process for how you buy your coffee. Every single step needs to be recorded and it needs to be uh, 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 measured and managed. How do you do this? There's some free tools. Um, if you have a super small budget, you're gonna have to get really good at, at uh, Google Sheets, and you're gonna have to just learn basic addition, multiplication, subtraction, and division formulas. Spend an hour on YouTube, you'll be able to, you'll be able to figure it out. I, I, I believe in you. Um, that's all you really need to, to begin if you don't have a huge budget. Um, there's some other tools, Udo um, and Artigen, you're probably going to have to use a mixture of them um, uh, for the free versions because oftentimes they're not as uh, robust and as powerful. Uh, the free versions are not. Paid tools. Cropster essentially does everything I talked about, um, and it's an amazing tool, and I'm such a fan. I'm not sponsored by them <laughs> by any way, but it's, it's amazing because what it can do is it can help you um, 
from the moment you receive samples. So before you even buy the coffee, it's recording the cupping data. Um, you can input all of the information into your, um, uh, into your cupster. Um, it's shared with your team. So you have five, 10 people around a cupping table. All of their cupping scores are gonna be aggregated into one place. It's gonna be really, really helpful for you. I'm a huge fan of Cropster. Very powerful tool. Um, it isn't free, um, but it's definitely worth it as you are growing and as you're scaling. Another option you've probably heard of, Roaster Tools. I don't love Roaster Tools, but it is an option. Um, there's uh, some ways that you can use it for green managing, um, but it's, uh, it's not a, nearly as good of a, a tool as uh, Roaster Tools. And I don't believe it, it tracks uh, cupping uh, data either. Two other paid tools are Katana and Activate. I don't know much about them, but they do manage, uh, they're more of just like uh, uh, product uh, inventory management softwares. That's not really all they are. Uh, let's talk about financial structure. If you want to make money, you need to be comfortable talking about money and looking at numbers regularly. If you want to make money, you need to be comfortable looking at numbers regularly. Who's afraid to look at their numbers? There's no shame. I'm, I'm one of these people. Cool. Um, you have to get comfortable looking at numbers regularly. Blair Inn says, those who talk about money, make it. Those who do not, don't. It's very simple. You need to talk about money. It's not a secret, and it shouldn't be something you're afraid of. It's a thing you need to make the impact in the world that you want to make. Who here has a social impact uh, with the company that they're running or some type of they want to make a difference in the world? Okay, so like half of the room, that's a lot of people. If you don't make money, can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> if you don't make money, you cannot support the, uh, the endeavors you want to do. Um, so I believe in making this profitability statement um, and say it with me, I will get comfortable talking about money. Come on, y'all. I will get comfortable talking about money regularly. I will not be afraid to be profitable. You're already talking about money. You're doing it. Okay, what do you need um, in order to build this structure? Um, you need a budget. Surprise, surprise. Um, you need savings. You need to have a plan for profit and a process for what you're going to do with it. You need to have a target profit margin established. You need a P&L statement. And you need a price sheet. <clears throat> Am I going too fast? Pretty good? Questions? Cool. All right, budget. We're only going to talk about green coffee. You need a budget for everything. You all are adults. You probably have budgets for your personal life as well. Um, you need to have a budget for everything in your company, but we're only going to focus on green coffee. So I'm just curious, does, uh, do y'all have um, a, a specific dollar amount that you are allowed to spend in your business on a, uh, on a single origin coffee, like a ceiling? You can't spend more than this. What about a blender? I saw one hand. Do you have a blender? Do you have a max? Oh. No. I just have kind of like guidelines that I know, I know I'm going to be in between that's what I'm looking for cool cool so you kind of have a, an idea but it's not a hard and fast I cannot buy not with a the blender market like it is right now sure <laughs> sure I understand that 
but let's say you bought a blender for like seven or eight dollars. No. That's a no, right? So you do have that, right? You have to have that established. It needs to be clear on your team, and it is going to change because the sea market is changing, and everything that's happening in the world is going to affect that. That's fine, but you have to, as a team and as a company, have that established. We only buy blenders for this amount. This month, maybe next month it changes, but this <laughs> month, this is what it is, and I'm not going to buy anything above that. So you have to have that established for each of your categories of coffee. So if you have a specific coffee that you use for cold brew, you need to have that outlined. If you have a specific coffee that you use for your single origins, um, you need to have that outlined. If you have specific coffees you're using for blenders, same exact thing. You have to have these price brackets so that you know I'm totally cool if I spend you know, $7 on the single origin because my ceiling is $8 or whatever that is for you. You need to itemize each category uh, monthly. So who, do y'all, y'all roughly have an idea of how much you can spend on green a month, right? But you need to itemize specifically, how much can I spend this month on single origins? How much can I spend next month on blenders? And have that actually mapped out. It might change due to seasonality, totally understandable, but you need to have a rough idea of what it is that you're uh, shooting for. If you're not sure and you're sort of confused about, well, I don't know, I kind of just buy coffee and then I sell it, um, easy way to do it is to figure out your category pounds sold, multiply that times the dollar that you paid for those coffees, that's your cost per category for that particular month. Very simple math. And again, I would just do this in, uh, in Excel. Savings. Why do you need savings? Can't run this type of business or really any business you ever heard of COVID-19 <laughs> it almost ruined a lot of people and it did ruin some people and the ones who had savings were able to sort of float and the ones who didn't some of them sneaked by and some of them didn't so you need to have savings to protect yourself so that you can last through a storm how much how much what, what do you guys think six months six months that's good yeah, three to six months. Some, uh, some industries actually recommend nine to 12. I don't know how realistic that is for coffee businesses, to be honest with you. Um, that's a lot of cash. Um, and so I think if you at least have three to six, I would, I would, it's a good starting place. Um, you need to have savings. It's going to protect you. There's going to be some type of crazy thing that happens. The C market goes up. Your cafe... <laughs> collapses. You, there, you don't know what's going to happen, so you need to have some savings so you can flex. Um, three to six months is a good start. Where do you keep it? Where do you keep your savings? Is your savings in the same account as everything else? Absolutely not. <laughs> what's that? In your pocket? Under your mattress. Sorry, what did you say? Under the mattress. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably better than in the same account. Um, as your operating expenses. Um, If y'all haven't read the book, Profit First, um, I would definitely recommend it. It's by a guy named Mike Michalowicz. I will not spell the last name. Um, Essentially, he advocates for structuring your business in such a way where you have five different um, uh, uh, bank accounts, or rather, sort of, they don't have to be separate banks. They can be connected. But that way you're able to say, I have an operating account, this is where all of my operating money goes into. I have a savings account 
for my business. I have an owner's compensation account, um, and I have a tax account, and I'm forgetting the fifth one at the moment. Um, but you need to have sort of a structure for that. Where does your savings go? If you save money, it cannot go in the same account because you're going to feel pretty awesome about yourself, and that's going to go really quickly. You're going to buy that, you know, de-stoner that you've been looking at or that, you know, mm-hmm. color sorter that you really want. Um, and then it's gone. So you need to make sure, and that's fine if you buy those things, right? But you need to make sure that you have a, a plan and process for what you're going to do once you hit certain thresholds, right? Make sure that you have a process for your plan, um, for, your, for your profit as well. You need to know where it's going, how it's getting there, and then how much. If you have zero savings at the moment, totally fine. There's absolutely no judgment. However, when you go home, you need to at least start with 1% of this month's sales. Do you think you could do 1% of this month's sales? Just 1%. That's it. And then next month, when you see that cash pile up, try two and try three and just see how far you can go. Um, And then you're going to be able to actually make that impact that you want to make in the world because you have the resources to do that. So make sure you have a plan for where that money goes and then what you're going to do with it afterwards. Target profit margin. You should absolutely, bare minimum, be at 30% target profit margin. Um, I understand certain areas of the country are a little bit different, um, especially uh, smaller markets. Um, It may be a little harder to get to that number, but you should do everything that you can to get to at least 30% profit margin. Absolutely, absolutely. If you have a partner in your business, you need to sit down with them and you need to have a conversation with them and say, what is our target profit margin? You need to define that outside of the situation where you're uh, pricing your product. Because what that's gonna do is, I mean, how many of you have met a producer who told you an amazing story about their coffee? No one, no one, you have? And how many times was that coffee not actually worth what they needed to get for it? And I I shouldn't use worth. You couldn't afford to pay what they needed to get for that coffee, right? But you already attached to the story. You have to decide what is my target profit margin outside of it. Can't be personal. It has to be about the margin. And you have to define that outside of the situation. P&L statement, not a nice to have, not a someday I'll get it. You have to have a P&L statement, even if it's sort of wonky and not fully flushed out. Start today figuring out where you at with your money, where you at. If you are not looking at your P&L statement at least monthly, that's a problem. You need to make sure that you're looking at your P&L statement often. We're going to talk about money often, right? We're going to get used to that. So you need to make sure that you're looking at your P&L statement often. Who's never seen a P&L statement here? That's amazing. Awesome. Cool. Then you all don't need to see this. <coughs> pricing sheet. Um, again, not some things, not most things. You need to have a pricing sheet for every single item that you sell. We're only going to talk about green coffee because that's what we're talking about in this session. But you need to have a pricing sheet for every single thing that you your roastery needs. You know, your uh, Ernix sprays, your roaster sprays. You need to have, uh, you know, 
you need to know exactly how much you know, grease costs to, uh, to grease your uh, ports in your, uh, in your roaster. You need to have every single item that you buy for your roaster needs to be in a list somewhere. And it needs to have uh, four things. The product itself, what, it, what is it? It needs to have the lead times it takes to get to your door. It needs to have your case size of that product and unit cost and case cost. The reason is so that when you go through and do inventory, um, or rather, uh, when you go through and evaluate how much you're spending, you can recognize, oh, you know what? I can actually get this grease that I was spending X amount of dollars on for $10 cheaper over here. I'm gonna go with that. It's gonna help you increase your profit because you know every single item that you buy, the price that it is. Again, I understand things are changing right now. It's, prices aren't quite as static, but you need to have that and you need to at least evaluate it at least every month or two. <clears throat> All right, dry product management. Your dry product is what keeps you afloat. You, when you have, well, first of all, let's start off with what, what is it? Oh, Everything, right? <laughs> and, and probably for most of you, especially for those of you who have cafes, you probably have cups, probably have lids, stir sticks, sugar, oat milk. You have a ton of stuff. So we're only talking about dry product as it relates to um, roasting companies here. You have to have a list of all of these items um, because this is, if you don't have boxes, if you don't have tape, you don't have tissue paper, you don't have bubble, you can't send coffee out. So you have to have those products in-house so that you can make sure that you're pushing product out and you're not waiting on Uline or some other person to show up to get you boxes so that you can ship out orders. It's also really important, especially right now, to keep a really close eye on your bags, your actual coffee bags, your 12s, 8s, 5-pound bags, because uh, lead times are just absolutely ridiculous. Um, and same thing for your labels as well. So again, you need to have a sheet for all of this. And this is a little bit different because you don't necessarily need to have the price um, uh, for each of these items um, because likely if you have a, you know, a production roaster that does most of your roasting, maybe they're doing the inventory for you, or maybe you have a warehouse manager who's doing the inventory. So the, the price isn't necessarily as important on, the, on this one, just as, as long as they have the product, a par, they need to know how much do we need for this next week, month, six months. Lead times, so that when that par dips down, you can say, great, I need to buy this because you know, our lead time is gonna be uh, you know, three weeks or whatever. So you have lead times on this sheet, case size for each of the items, and you have the vendor contact. Because again, if you are, um, if you have someone else manage this uh, for you, what you're gonna want to do is you're gonna wanna make sure that they have the ability and the resources to be able to make that phone call and say, hey, we need to get, um, we need to get some more paper, we need to get some more uh, boxes, whatever that is. So they need to be able to have the freedom to do that. Okay, managing it. You have to have an inventory day. Set it and forget it. If you're the one doing it, put it in your calendar, set a reminder. It's something that is going to happen every single week, period. You have to have that. If someone else is managing it, then set that in their calendar. They're not allowed to do anything else during this hour than go through every single item that is in our roastery and make sure we have enough and then make a list of what are the things that we need to purchase and then actually do that. Same thing with your ordering day. You need to make sure that you have an uh, established day that you do ordering. 
I personally don't like doing either of these things on the end of the week. The reason is, you already know the reason, right? It's busier. It's busier. It's busier. You also want to get the heck out of your roastery on Friday night. Monday is both days for me. Exactly. You have to have it at the beginning of the week so that you can get the products by the end of the week. If you order it on Friday, it's not getting there till Tuesday or Thursday anyway. So make sure that you have an established day. Make sure it's early in the week. You want to have a communication tool. When something's low, how does your team tell you it's low? What do they do? There needs to be an established system and process for, hey, our bags are, you know, we only have 10,000 left. We should probably order some more. What do they do? They cannot come and tell you. You have too much to worry about. They need to have some way of telling the person who's going to order, whether it's them or if it's somebody else, they need to have an established system for how that is uh, done. It needs to be communicated clear to them so they, they know on Monday or Tuesday when I'm doing inventory, I send out an email or I send out a Slack message or however it is that you've decided that you're going to communicate that. They know that and it's super, super clear. Um, you need to have a receiving process. When items come in, what happens? Do they, they, leave, they leave them on the floor. Right, they sit there on the floor. <laughs> they sit there on the floor. And then when you need those bags, that tape or whatever, you can't find them because they're not where they're supposed to be, but they're sitting in the front. You need to have a process. When this box, when, when someone arrives at my dock or at my back door, whatever it is, what happens? What are the steps? Every single thing that happens in your business has to have a step, has to have a process. Because if it doesn't, you're going to be beating your head against the wall and you're going to be really, really exhausted because you're going to be doing it all because you're frustrated that they left the box on the floor. You need to have a process for what happens when boxes come inside. <laughs> this has never happened to anybody in this room, has it? It makes me so crazy. So you need to have a receiving process. What tools can you use? You need to have some tools to use for this as well. Um, <clears throat> Tools to use is essentially just have a Google Sheet, um, or if you don't like using Google, if you're a paper person, that's fine. You just need to have a tool for your team to be able to use, uh, to, to be able to communicate this to you when something's out or low or needing uh, to be restocked. Pricing calculator. So this is the fun, fun part. Is this what you all are looking for? That's why you came here? Serious? That's amazing. Cool. Why do you need a pricing calculator? You need a pricing calculator because it removes the emotion from the pricing decision and it ensures profit margin. I don't get to decide how much I'm going to charge for a coffee because we would established that we're going to hit 30%. So if, if I'm the roaster or I'm the green buyer and I bought a coffee for X dollars, it's what it has to be. It's the 30% margin. So this is what it looks like and I'm going to see if my... Uh, Internet is working here, and it looks like it is. All right, so. You all see that? Cool. All right, so essentially, this is a, uh, a model of this. This isn't uh, any specific company. This is just a model that I've used for other folks. Um, you're going to have to do some legwork up front. And the legwork that you're going to have to do is you're going to have to go through and figure out every single thing that costs you money. You're going to have to list every item out. So, yeah. 
Oop, that's the wrong way. There we go. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean here. So you have to begin by understanding what is your gross annual income? How much debt do you have? How much is your annual bag cost? Your annual five pound? How much do your labels cost? Do you have a front label and a back label or just a front label? How much do you spend on marketing, rent, utilities? You have to go through and literally list through every single thing that you spend money on. And then it has to be itemized with the number of units that you're selling so that you can make sure you're actually making money on each individual unit. You can't just hope that you're making money. There's a way that you can actually ensure that you're making money. All right, so this is all it really is, is you establish exactly what uh, you're spending money on, and then you go through and you itemize that by bag, um, and then when you say, great, what was the last coffee? Do you buy coffee? Do you buy green coffee? Me? Yeah. No. You don't? Who buys green coffee? Anybody buy green coffee? How, how, what was the last dollar amount you spent on green coffee? Per pound? Yeah. Uh, 435. 435. So, how much do you sell that coffee for? 1599. Cool. 435. And tells me immediately that I need to be this this is not your business. This is just an, a, a concept. Um, I don't know what your costs are, but you're probably in the zone though if you're at 15, 15 bucks. Um, this immediately tells me that I have to sell this coffee at wholesale for sixteen thirty-eight, and at retail for at least $20. Um, again, the numbers are gonna change because your, every business's expenses are totally different, so this isn't prescriptive. Um, this is just an example of, of what you need to do. So this is literally all on Google Sheets. You can do this. I have a video on my website where it walks you through the whole thing. It's like 11 minutes. You can totally do this. It's totally, uh, it's just addition, multiplication, division, and subtraction um, uh, uh, formulas. You can do this, but you have to have this for your business. You have to have this, and you should have this for every product that you sell. If you have a cafe, you should have this for your cafe products. You should have this for your lattes, for your drip, for your uh, for your espresso, for your Topo Chico, for your sandwiches. You have to have this for every item to ensure that you are actually profitable because each item is going to cost you different amounts of money, right? Um, each, you know, if you sell a sandwich and you sell, that you make, and you sell a croissant, the labor cost is completely different. So you have to make sure that you understand that and make sure that you're accounting for this sandwich takes somebody five minutes to make and that croissant they come here in the morning and I throw it in the case. You have to make sure that you have every single item um, outlined in, uh, in this. So how, how do you balance doing this? Because I know this is the right way to do it. Sure. Uh, and you obviously, there's a certain amount of profit that you need to make on the coffee. Right. But the other constraint on this is the competitive market. Absolutely. So, you know, I've got another roaster uh, you know, uh, well, multiple other ones in my area, but sure. you know, and, and they're much bigger and they've got yep. much more uh, more money. Uh, well, more money and, and better scale. Yeah, better economies. They can buy it so cheaper. Yeah. My rates are set by them, uh, not by my putting a, a direct, you know, thirty percent profit on top of uh, cost of goods sold sure. on top of uh, sure. I'll get you in just a second. You know, whatever. Uh, yeah. It's great. How do you balance those out? Is your coffee the same coffee? 
the same coffee? It's not the same that the other ones are. Uh, the other company. That the other companies are selling. Them. Is it from a qualitative standpoint? Is it better? My opinion is yes. Sure. Of course. Then you and and let's see, let's see. Do they have any sort of other shtick, anything that they're about? As opposed, uh, well, I mean, now you're talking about marketing. And how yeah. Marketing. It's all connected. Yeah. It's all connected. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Do you have anything that, that is unique about what you do? Uh, I'm not. I, I'm not. Putting, I just. I just want to make sure I understand what you're saying. I guess you know it's it's. For a large part of the clientele, uh, the difference, you know, is say their coffee is at this level, and I think, you know, my coffee might be at this level sure. compared to them. Sure. But, you know, if they're used to drinking, drinking down here, that, that difference isn't that much. Sure. So uh, they got, you know, a, a much better marketing campaign and sure. uh, money to do that. Yeah. It's, it's just, me trying to work out this kind of uh, pricing system, mm -hmm. when the reality is they're selling theirs for nine seventy five a, a pound wholesale, sure. and I'm pricing mine at you know ten fifty to eleven fifty uh, a pound wholesale, uh, yeah. and trying to you know keep close to that. I I totally understand what you're saying, and I would say there's a couple of things you got to think about. It is it is one hundred percent positioning. It's positioning. And how you price your coffee says how much you think it's worth, too. And it also depends on uh, on exactly where you're at. Maybe you're in, are you in a rural area? No. You're in a city? Okay, great. Um, that's actually good. Because now you can position yourself as, if you price your coffee at a dollar above what they're pricing, they're not going to buy your coffee. They never will. But if you price it three, four, five dollars, there's something interesting happening here. Why is he allowed to do that, right? So the, the, pr the price that you price your coffee says actually more about what you believe about the product and how you believe about your brand and the impact that you're making versus to the audience. I'm not saying you, I'm saying to your audience, you're making a statement saying that this is worth this and here's why. So for you, you have to define what that why is. Why is it worth more? Is it qualitatively better? They're not gonna know that. The people who don't taste for a living can't taste the difference between, you know, a dark roast that's roasted really well and Folgers. So you have to define what is it about what I do that makes my coffee worth 30% margin of my cost. You don't seem convinced. I'm not convinced. Okay, that's fine. All these specialty roasters in the area, and I go to Whole Foods, and they're all on the shelf, and they're all at within a dollar of each other. Sure. And they're all, you know, some, and, they, and there is a variance. Who prices those coffees? Uh, I would imagine uh, it's between them and Whole Foods. Whole Foods. Whole Foods says, I'm only going to buy this at this price point. You have to sell it to me at this price point or we're out of here. So you can't look, you have to put blinders on. You have to focus on what am I doing? I'm building a company. I have a mission and a vision of where I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to provide to my family, to my team to the, the, the impact I'm trying to make, you know, at origin potentially. You have to define that for yourself and then you have to own that and believe in that. I believe that, I believe your coffee's worth 15, 16, however much you want to spend on. People will pay 
ridiculous amounts of money if they believe in why you're doing it and who you are. So that's, that's the challenge. It's a race to the bottom if you're trying to play a price, con- price uh, uh, battle. You had something you were saying. Well, it goes along with what he's saying, and I've been in your shoes. So the things up there in the pink are things that in the interim, you know, and it goes back to his savings point. Yeah. When you get into this business, you can't come in without any money stuck back to ride to you can get to a point where you're actually profitable. So the things in the pink are yep. things that you can control. Yep. You can go out and you can continue to find bags cheaper. Yep. That's the same quality. Yep. I mean, you know, everything is relative. Everybody down there on that floor today wants our business, yep. right? So how bad do they want it? So you can yep. control those things to a degree. So I would suggest try to find things yep. in your raw material costs that are cheaper for now. And then uh, in order to stay competitive long enough until you can really genuinely start to turn a profit. Because yeah. that's what I, did. I had to do. I had to yeah. go out and, and talk to every bag company in the market. You know, I talked to multiple coffee brokers and importers, and they all want your business. It depends on how bad it is, but there's some legwork that you can do yeah. there so that you can bring those numbers down enough so that you can be competitive where you, wherever you're at in the market. Yeah, Matt raised a really good point. And th- but that's why you have to have that dry product sheet as well. And you have to have it for everything, right? And if, especially if you have a cafe, you have to know how much my milk costs, how much my pastries cost. You have to know all of those things so that you can shop it around so that you can go and find a, a better spot for it. But I hear what you're saying. I have empathy for your, where you're at. And it's not easy, but you can, definitely, you can definitely get there. But I think one of those things is definitely managing those, those dry product costs. All right. We are booking along here. All right. So, are there any more questions? You had so, something else. So, so the shrink. Shrink. How, how do you? Is there a way you can control that? Like, how do you come up with your shrinkage? Typical shrinkage is seventeen percent, and then also like when they're you know bagging coffee, they just drop some beans. Yeah. So just more than more than seventeen percent is okay. sort of what uh, the standard is. Um, that way, you're totally protected. Somebody spills a couple of beans, you don't have to like. Choke them out. The biggest <laughs> and you should. <laughs> the <laughs> biggest thing you is your Choke. green coffee loss, exactly. weight loss. Yeah. I'm so, sorry. I didn't. I should have explained that. I'm sorry. No, no, you're fine. Just the the green coffee weight, your roasted coffee weight. The difference is your shrink on that. That's going to be your biggest shrink. Yeah. When I first started, I had a fluid bed roaster, and and my shrink was high because those things. Are harder to control because you got shit blowing out everywhere. Yep. But then, you know, yep. when I upgraded finally to a, a, you know, a real genuine, you know, drum roaster, that shrink goes down yep. into a more manageable level. Yep. And you know, very seldom do you have. Sometimes you have bag issues, but you'll have bag defects. That's what mainly causes those. And the shrinkage will vary too by coffee. Um, but rule of thumb is seventeen. Add three more percent on there, you're gonna be totally fine. Questions before I move on? Yes. Yeah. Do you have the handout? Uh, yes. Send me an email. I'll send it to you. Scan the QR code on the thing, and it'll take you to a thing, uh, a form, and I will send it to you. Thank you for saving us all two hours. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I mean, yeah. My first one took I'm... me sixty hours to make, so it's oh. it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of work. It's worth it though. Okay. Well, hey there. 
You just listen to the five essentials every coffee roaster needs to have. If you have questions or if you would like the template to build your own pricing calculator, you can reach out to us at pomelocoffee at gmail.com or you can reach out to us on the socials at Pomelo Coffee Consulting. We'd love to help you. We'd love to see your business build more structure, more systems, and build in more profitability for the good of the people. Be well.